Well, as Pastor said, it's been a long time since I've been here. And uh, we, were, we were joking. Is uh, Last time I was here, most of you weren't even born. So I don't know what that means. But um, Pastor, thank you. Thanks for letting me be back. Um, as he touched a little bit about the uh, Ukraine thing that I've been kind of in the middle of. So when I speak to you tonight, um, turn me down. The monitor is too hot. Clean it up. Um, when I speak to you, I'm sure you've had some wonderful, wonderful guest speakers here. I have no doubt. I know the history of this church. and um, You've had some great speakers, nice speakers, <clears throat> wonderful speakers. I'm not one of those. I'm not one of those. I've been shot enough times and I've seen enough people killed. Gets people seen their brains blown out and I just got blown up in a drone attack six weeks ago when I was in Ukraine. So when I talk to you guys tonight, it's going to be a little bit different. You're going to see some things you don't normally see in church. You will hear some things a little bit different than what you would normally see. So if you're good to that, everybody good with that? Yep, okay. Well, they already took the offering, so they already got your money. So it's too late now. If you're, if you're too upset, just leave now. We need your chair. Anyways, um, because it's people like this, churches just like this, that have allowed me for 50 years of ministry to go into the world and work with governments, to work with presidents, to work with the military. And when I was asked by a government to go to gather information, take pictures, gather information, to put together a pending, and I'm going to pick my words carefully here, because I have to. I just was on the phone with Washington, D.C. a couple of hours ago, um, which I have to go back there uh, as soon as I get back to the States. But I was asked to gather information in a upcoming trial at The Hague. Now, for those of you young people that don't know what that means, you won't know what that means. Um, probably for a long time. When I got to this filtration camp, because what's happening, because it's been almost 500 days now since the war in Ukraine, and the Russians have gone in and taken children, kidnapped kids from their parents, and take them into filtration camps all across Russia. So I was asked to go in, get some pictures, get some information to prepare. But when I saw the kids staying in these three camps there in Russia, yeah, I, I did what they asked me to do. I got the information, I took the pictures, but then I had to do what I do. And 
It was much more than just the pictures and information. I sat with my interpreter, and we were stitching up the head of a little girl. One of the Russian soldiers had taken a machete and chopped her right ear off. And so when I got there, we were stitching this little girl up. And by the way, for some of you that think your education and your piece of paper prepares you for everything, it doesn't prepare you for anything. Just understand that. I've got two BAs, one MA, one PhD, one MD. That doesn't prepare you to do what real life is going to ask of you. Because when push comes to shove, my friends, you have to make some decisions in life of what you really want to do. Wish you could have been there at the filtration camp. When I saw one little boy, one of the Russians had taken a pair of scissors and cut the little boy's tongue out. This is not a game tonight. This is not another Saturday night servers. I'm way too old for that, folks. Been around way too long, seen way too much. This is real life tonight. Found one little girl, Anna. She stepped on a landmine, blew both of her legs off above her knees. So what does all this mean? And I looked at those kids. Yeah, I got all the information that a government had asked me to get. But now, when I saw those kids, I thought, okay, now I'm going to do what I do. And I do it well. And so we just decided the only way those kids are going to make it anyway, we're going to have to get them out of those filtration camps, get them back across the border, and we're going to start getting them home to their mothers, to their parents. And it was two days ago I got a phone call from one of my team members there that's been taking truck runs, getting these kids back. And there was one little girl. She'd been sick because there's not much food in these camps, especially with all the shelling at Belgorod that's been going on. And, and she was just crying for her mother. She was just crying for her mom. And her team was trying to console her. But uh, that little girl actually cried herself to death two days ago. She was just hyperbatalist. She just wanted her mother. So over these last six weeks after this drone attack, got three broken ribs, a punctured lung. I've had six concussions. Sixth one I just got over there. A couple of broken fingers. But I'm going to tell you something. There's no substitute for having your heart broken with the things to break the heart of God. That's why I take people with me to the Philippines. Walk with me to go in the garbage dump where the people live, where the kids live, where we do Sunday school every week. Walk with me into the North Cemetery where we do Sunday school every Friday. We stay all night with the kids because they live in the cemetery. So I have the people that are with me. We stay all night in the tombs, in the graves with these kids. Walk with me. I don't know if some of you understand how blessed you are to be in a church like this. 
You better get this, man. Because this is not a game tonight. I don't know if you understand how blessed you are to be able to live where you live here. <coughs> and so tonight, I'll talk to you about a few things. It's a little tougher for me to breathe. Um, I'm at the back table. Um, if I'm spitting blood, just don't get too close because I've been spitting blood for the last couple of days. So just be nice, but don't say anything stupid out there. Okay? But uh, Pastor talked about the book, Whose Child Is This? It's in 32 different languages. Uh, it'll make you laugh. It'll make you cry. But more important, it will force you to look at yourself through a different set of eyes. Um, I, 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 next time I come back, well, probably after tonight, I won't be invited back again. So I figure I'm just going to unload the whole truck tonight since I won't be back for another 18 years. I wish there was some step. Can I just jump on that? Or is that not allowed? No, it's okay. <laughs> no. I might have to buy it, and I don't have that much money. Uh, so uh, if you've not read that book, I'll be out there afterwards. We'll read the books. You guys, who's never read this book again? Let me see you. Never read the book. Shame on you. There you go. Merry Christmas. All right. There's a lot of stuff out there. I'm not going to spend a lot of time talking about the product. Uh, these bracelets, some of the folks were always asking, you can't get these on Amazon? Um, our ladies that live in the garbage dump wait for the garbage trucks to come in, and then they find the glossy cover magazines, and they rip the covers of the magazine, put strips like that, wet them, roll them up, put a little rosin on there, and make these bracelets. They sell them on the street in Manila to put food on their family's table. When I saw the ladies making these for the first time, I thought, I'm just going to bring these, let people take a look at them, and hopefully maybe just pray for the kids, pray for the families in the dump, those who pray for the ones in the cemetery. I've said this on television probably too many times, and finally, somebody said, Pastor Bill, we need to put it on a T-shirt. It says, your commitment has to be stronger than your emotions. If you get this, that was you, Earth, dragging yourself in here tonight. If you don't get nothing else, if you get this, it was worth you coming tonight. Because most Christians live on their emotions. It's all about how you feel. Nobody cares how you feel especially young people. <laughs> you all think everybody cares about you. Nobody does. Does that bother you? I said it to bother you because some of you already looking like you're giving me the dog look. You know what the dog look is. It's when you're talking to your dog and your dog goes, do not give me the dog look because you know it's all about how you feel and how you think. No, it isn't. There's only one life, and it'll soon be passed. Only the things done for Christ 
are going to last anyway. I'm going to be 75 years old a couple of months, and I just got blown up. So be really nice to me out there. That's why I wear this. This is one of my jackets the Ukrainian army gave me. And I was trying to get out of there when the shelling was coming to the area where I was getting the kids out in the beginning. And I had to walk two days, got to a tree line, drone came over on this side. Another one hit me about 25 feet behind me. Long story. But uh, walked a couple of days. A lot of, I patched myself up. That's why I always have, have super glue. Because if you understand, when you're out in the field and you're losing a lot of blood, you just take super glue. It works for everything. It really does. It's what we call in the military, it's a flip stitch. You're bleeding, you take the skin, and you flip it over, and you super glue yourself together. Why do you think I look like this? This is normal. I've been super glued together for 50 years. So piece of the drone came I was on my head, banged up pretty bad. I was losing a lot of blood. Piece of the drone came up and cut me here, and uh, second degree burns. So I'm telling you guys this for one reason. You will have an opportunity to answer a question tonight. Because when I came back from Ukraine, the questions, when I got back to Washington, turned in my sit rep, my situation report, back to them, and got as much medical help as I could get to try to put me back together. When People kept asking, what did you see, Pastor Bill? What did you see when you saw the kids? What did you see when you were walking for those couple of days trying to get out of Russia, trying to get back to the border to Ukraine, which was my extraction point where the Ukrainian army would then pick me up and try to get me enough medical help? What do you see? That's the question I'm going to ask you guys tonight. I will not be in front of you long, but I'm going to push you tonight. I'm going to push you hard. Because I'm going to ask you a question that cannot be answered collectively. It can only be answered individually. And so when you walk out of here, you're going to have to ask the question yourself, what do you see? There's a lot of things we can see tonight. One of the, uh, the books and stuff, it's all out there. I don't know how many books I've written. But the most important thing you'll see on the table are these pictures. You'll see some of the kids that we have committed our lives to. You'll have a chance to do something in a kid's life. Some of you know my testimony. Some of you don't. My mother was an alcoholic. She left me on a street corner. She walked away. I sat there for three days. No food, no water, until, until an ordinary Christian man stopped. He was actually driving to the hospital to visit his own son who was dying of leukemia. 
But he got out of his car. He walked across the street to where I'd been sitting. He put his hand on my shoulder, and he just asked me, are you okay? That's it. When he knew my mother left, and I hadn't eaten for three days, he said, are you okay? And I used to stutter really bad when I was little. And I tried to, I tried to tell him my mother was gone, and I'm just hungry. And when he heard that, oh, he didn't have to go to a conference. He didn't have to go to a seminar. A lot of people go to seminars, they buy the books, then they use it for toilet paper. Not really much that comes out of it. He said, are you okay? I said, no, my mom's gone and I'm just hungry. And immediately he got me a hamburger and a Coke. He made some phone calls. And five hours, five hours after this meeting on a street corner, he sponsored me to go to a Sunday school camp. And that's where I heard the story of Jesus for the first time. And my life changed. I was 12 years old. My life was changed and put on a whole different course. So you all have a chance tonight, guys, to do the same thing for one of our kids. Sponsor a kid. Kid in Metro Sunday School, Kenya. Kid in Metro Philippines. If you sponsor a kid in Philippines, go with me every March. I got a bunch of people. Walk with me. Do Sunday School with myself and the team. Visit your sponsored kid. If you sponsor a kid in Kenya, you give, give the kid a hot meal every day. For most of them, that's the only food they have. You know how this works. And if you've ever wondered, does one person <coughs> make a difference? You see a lot of things on TV, so do I. I see the same thing as you guys say. And a lot of people say a lot of things. I was in Ethiopia, <coughs> and uh, I got one of the orphanages that uh, we'd started several years back. And one of the staff members said, Pastor Bill, we heard that there's a little girl that somebody tied to a tree out in the bush. I said, okay, has anybody looked? And of course, nobody had because they're Christians. This bothers you, doesn't it? Don't worry, next weekend will be better. But it won't be now. I said, give me the keys to the Jeep. We jumped in the Jeep. I took two steps. We were driving for an hour out in the bush. We found this little girl. Her parents wanted a boy. They got her. Her name was Rosie. And then one day they just decided they don't want her anymore. I understand how that feels very well. I jumped out of the Jeep. They had a pair of cutters in there. I picked up the cutters. They had her hands and feet tied to this tree. I cut her loose, picked her up, put her in the Jeep, got her back to the orphanage. And when I got her to the orphanage, I took this picture. Can you guys give me that picture, please? I wanted you to see this. This is Rosie. Now, if you understand medically what happens when someone starves to death, then you will know what you're looking at here. 
The body eats itself. She's right on the edge, and I knew it. I've worked with a lot of kids, and I've watched them die in my arms. I get it. And she's right on that edge. So I took that picture, and I put it in one of these folders like you guys will see out there. Because I thought, if anybody, if anybody needs a sponsor, this little girl needs a sponsor. Maybe she's going to make it, maybe she isn't. But I want somebody to try to save her life. And I, I just got to Los Angeles right after I got back from Ethiopia. I was speaking at a pastor's conference. And I went to the back table, and a lady that heard me speak, she's heard the story that I'm just telling you. She runs out, she said, Pastor Bill, I want to sponsor Rosie. I said, ma'am, I said, we, there's no Wi-Fi there. We don't know if she's dead or alive. There's very little spotty phone service. She said, it doesn't matter. She said, I want to be the one that tries to save her life. I said, okay, just so you understand, communication's pretty shaky. She was a great sponsor. She signed up. She said, I'm going to pray for this little girl every day. She actually got boxes of protein, and sent it over to Ethiopia, not even knowing if this little girl's dead or alive. But there was something that connected this lady. She said, I can't do everything, but I can do something. I said, yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. And uh, we didn't know if Rosie made it or not, but it was about six months later, I had to get back to Ethiopia, and I thought, I'm just going to go back to the orphanage. I need, I need to find out what happened to Rosie. And I got to the orphanage, and because one ordinary lady, like the guy that picked me up, she said, I'm believing God for a miracle. You ever believe God for a miracle? Or do you just have everything you want? You ever have to trust God for a miracle? I hope some of you will be able to do that someday, and you'll understand what I'm saying. And I watched as the door opened in the orphanage. And after six months, because of that one ordinary sponsor, after six months, give me that, give me another picture, guys. Yeah. Come on, give God a praise. You better get it, folks. You better get this. You better get it. That's after six months. So I guess the existential question tonight really is. Can one person really make a difference? You betcha. You betcha. Why do you think why do you think we've got 74 more kids to get out of Russia? Right now they're by the Zaporizhia power plant dropping off some of the kids that the Russians take. They're going to come back. The last 74 kids are there. But that one little girl I cried herself to death. See, I, I couldn't get her out in time. I couldn't get her in time. So when you understand the urgency of life, and you understand sometimes you have one opportunity to make a difference, get that. I think some of you get that as well. Pastor, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for allowing me to share this with the people. We'll be out there as long as we need to be. The team will be there. And uh, Father, thank you.
my friends. Thank you, Lord, for church like this, for people that are willing to be pushed, to be pressed, to get close enough to the needs, to understand the urgency of life. A little girl cried herself to death because she just needed her mother. Speak to us today as only you can. In Jesus' name, amen. I want you to open to the gospel of John, chapter number 20. <coughs> John, chapter 20. It seemed like an appropriate message today because as people keep asking me, what did you see? What, you, what moved you? What motivated you? What, what did you actually see? And trying, have you ever tried to get somebody to see something that you've seen but you can't communicate it to other people? It's frustrating, isn't it? Yeah, I understand that. So I take you to the first Easter. I wish I could have been there. I wish I could have brought some of you with me to that first Easter when three of Jesus' closest friends, they come to an empty tomb. It's Sunday morning. Three of Jesus' closest friends come to the tomb. They look in, and if I'd have been there, we could have all asked the same question that I'm asking you guys. What do you see? Some of you think you know the Easter story. Maybe you do. Maybe you don't. I'm not going to talk to you in Greek a lot today. My Greek is much better than my Malay. So I'm not going to bore you with a bunch of Greek. But I want you to follow me because this story takes several twists and turns. So you need to listen on purpose. It begins in John chapter 20, verse number one. The first Easter, and most preachers that preach or teach on this 20th chapter use this as an Easter message. I get it, but it's more than that. You'll see it in a minute. Look at verse number one. John chapter 20, verse number one. Mary, as she comes to the team, she looks in. It was yet dark. She comes to the sepulcher and she sees or seeth, depending on whatever translation you're looking at. See or seeth. She sees the stone had been taken away from the sepulcher. Now remember, Mary knew who Jesus was. She knew the man. She heard his message. She saw the miracles. She was a close friend of Jesus. She comes to the tomb. She heard him say that he would die. She heard him say that he would rise. And now she looks in. Oh, stones moved. What do you see, Mary? Wish we could have been there. Because I would have asked her face to face, what do you see, Mary? Huh. She looks. She looks in. Huh. Give me, give me the picture there. I think we have a picture of a lady that, uh, yeah, that's it. This was a lady in Haiti. Our Metro Sunday School girls just finished doing Sunday school, and they 
They saw this lady laying on the sidewalk. Everybody was just walking by. Nobody was helping. Our girls just pulled the Sunday school truck over, and they're trying to talk to her. They don't speak the language. They were trying to talk to her. There was blood coming out of her nose, blood coming out of her mouth. Nobody helped. Sound familiar? Sure it does. If you've been around long enough, our girls jumped out of the truck, picked this obvious pregnant woman, put her in the Sunday school truck, got her to the hospital. But when they got her to the hospital, they found out she was not pregnant at all. Can you give me that next picture? When they got her to the hospital, this tumor had been growing in her for years, for years. See, 30 seconds ago, you thought you were looking at a pregnant woman. I guess you were wrong, weren't you? Yeah. I wonder what else you could be wrong about in life. When you think you understand something, you think you see something, when the reality is maybe it's not exactly what you thought it was. Take the picture down. What do you see, Mary? Hmm. That word see, bring that up on the screen. Let's take a look and see what Mary really saw here. Uh-huh. She saw that word see or seeth in the Greek. There's the Greek word blepo. Bring that up quickly on the screen, please. And when Mary looked in it, she only saw with her eyes. This word blepo is the Greek word for see or seeth. Blepo, you know what, what blepo means in the Greek? There it is. Oh, stones moved. Oh, the tomb's empty. Oh, she doesn't understand what she's looking at. So I ask you, how is that possible? How can somebody like Mary, who knew the man, heard the message, saw the miracles, and now she's looking at an empty tomb, and she doesn't understand my God. She didn't even understand what she was looking at. Bleppo. She only saw with her eyes. See, this is why I take people with me, Philippines, Africa. I have people that go with me for the four months to do the internship in New York. Four months in New York. Get on a bus. See, I still drive the bus. Go with me. Go preach on the street in the Bronx, in Harlem, in Brooklyn, where I've lived for 43 years. Spend some time. See what life has for you. What is it that changes what people see? What do you see, Mary? Huh? Give me another picture, Yanni. Let's take a look here. Look at this. No, I, I want to see Dave, please. Thank you. Hmm. Who's this? You know who this guy is. That was, that was before my sixth concussion. But, but, but you, don't know, you don't know who this guy is, do you? No. You, you know who this guy is? That's the man who picked me up off the street corner. You take a good look. Take a good look of what ordinary looks like. Take a good look of a man who saw something in me that my own mother did not see in me. 
Take a good look at ordinary. Take a good look of one person that said, I can't do everything, but I can do something. See, I grew up with the old missionaries in the 1950s and 60s. And I remember, heard one missionary say, and I never forgot it. He said, none of us are called to feed 5,000 people. But all of us are called to find the bread and the fish. Maybe I need to say that one more time. We're not called to feed 5,000. Only he can do that. But what he needed was somebody to get some bread, get some fish, and present it. See, we want God to do his part and our part. That's a lot easier on you, isn't it? No. He'll do his part. He's asking you to do your part. You find the fish. You get the bread. You bring it to him. And guess what? A miracle is the result. You understand? See, that's missions, folks. That's why I take people, send them to New York. Do four months. Get, get slapped around in New York City. See how hard life really is. What do you see? I look at you and I show you this man. I did his funeral the first, the first year of COVID. And you know what? I, don't, I won't say this much, but I'll say it because I think you guys are getting this. I had to take two bodyguards on that funeral when I did for him because normally I can take care of myself. I don't need a bodyguard. I'm good. But I took two bodyguards because I knew that there was probably going to be trouble at that funeral. See, his own family didn't understand him. Do you ever feel like your family doesn't understand you? They don't understand your commitment to Jesus? Did you ever feel like your family even thinks some of you are crazy? Because you want to do something, you want to make a difference, you want to do something different with your life that everybody else expects of you to do? In Jesus' name. Sometimes you gotta smack somebody in church. You gotta you gotta do it in Jesus' name. So you gotta make it spiritual. But you know what I'm saying. Take a good look of the ordinary man. What do you see? His own family didn't understand him. They couldn't grasp. They didn't understand him. Take the picture down. What do you see, Mary? Oh, but wait a minute. We got to go quickly. Look at verse 6. Then Peter comes to the tomb. He goes into the sepulcher, and he's <laughs> and he sees... Oh, he sees. He sees the empty tomb. He sees the linen clothes. He sees the same thing that Mary saw. And in your Bible, this is the same word in verse 6 as it was when Mary looked in in verse 1. Same word. Mm -hmm. But in the Greek, it's not the same word in verse 6 as it is 
in verse 1. When Mary looked in, it was blepo. She only saw with her eyes. Oh, oh, tombs empty, oh, stones moved. Oh, I, I, I don't know what happened. But when Peter comes in, he looks at it. Same word in your Bible. It's not in the Greek. Give me that, give me that word. Oh, yeah. When Peter saw, it was the Greek word theorio, which is actually where we get our English word theory. Peter looks in. He sees the same thing as Mary said. And he, he looks in and he sees what? Theorio. He looks in. He goes, oh, did, is Jesus alive? I, I don't know. He said he would rise. I believed it, but I'm not convinced. I want to believe it, but I don't know. This is the same man that lived a miracle. Have you had a real miracle in your life? Or is that just something you see on television or read in a book? Have you lived a miracle? I shouldn't be here today. I should have been dead a long time ago. I've lived through three plane crashes. I've been shot twice. I've been thrown off of a building. I just got blown up. Come on, man. I shouldn't be here, but I told him I would be here because there's so much riding. There's so much at stake on this trip. I got to get the rest of these kids out of Ukraine. I got to get these kids. We got three new countries in Africa that the governments have just said, can you please bring Metro Sunday School to our country? We don't know. Our kids are, are dying. We heard about what you're doing in Kenya. Can you come? And bring Metro Sunday School here. Everything. You understand, don't you? I'm talking about the urgency of the moment. The urgency of the moment. Peter looks. If anybody should have understood what he was looking at, it should have been Peter. He walked on water. He, walked, he should have known. He's looking at what you and I would call a fulfilled prophecy. He's looking at it. Theorio. He's trying to come up with a theory. Is he alive? I don't know. He said he would rise. I'm not sure. I wanted to believe it. I'm not convinced. I'm tr He's trying to put together a theory, a hypothesis. He's trying to understand what he's looking at. That's why I'm pressing you and I'm asking you, what do you see? What do you see? What do you see? Huh. What do you see, Peter? Theorio. Mary, she only saw with her eyes. Peter saw with his mind. He's trying to figure it out. I think he was from KL. I can't prove that, but I, I think that's what it says in the Greek. Yeah, I think he, he, he thinks he knows more than what? Oh, yeah. We all know folks like that, don't we? You betcha. Everybody thinks. Yeah, you do. Walk with me. Walk with me. Mary, Blepo, just saw with her eyes. Peter, he saw with his mind. He's trying to figure it out. Give me another picture. Give me those mud pies, Yenny. See if we'll get that picture. Yeah, this one isn't quite as easy to figure out as the other pictures. What are you looking at here? I'll take you quickly to the country of Haiti. I don't know if you've ever held a little boy 
He's starving to death, kind of like Rosie, same thing. And I'm looking at this little boy, and as his chest is going up and down, and see, when a kid is starving to death, they're crying, crying, crying uncontrollably because they're just hungry, and then it shifts. Maybe you get to go with me someplace and walk with me and see it for yourself and see what you see. And I watched this little boy. He's looking at me, and I'm holding him. And then his breathing got shallow. He just looked at me. And his eyes rolled back, and he was gone. So what you're looking at, do we have a close-up, Yanni, of that? I think we do. We can get the close-up. That's what happens when a government doesn't see what they need to see. But what you're looking at here is when these kids, and you see them in Port-au-Prince and all in the up now of that island, and the government sees the kids crying, crying uncontrollably until they die. So what the government does, they take dirt, they mix it with water, and they make mud, and they make these. That's why I have to take the pictures. That's why I have to show people these, because if I didn't show you, you would think I was lying. So I have to show you the pictures to get you to see something. I took the shot. Downtown Port-au-Prince. So they take these, what they call them, mud pies. The government actually calls them mud pies. Mix up the water and dirt, lay them outside, let them dry. They put them in piles. So when the kids are dying of starvation and they're just crying, the government feeds them dirt. It makes the kids stop crying until they die. Oh, but you didn't know that, did you? No, you didn't. Some of you looking like me, no, you have no idea. You're too young. So maybe when you grow up a little bit and get a little urgency and get a little understanding of real life and real urgency, maybe come with me. Come with me and see. Do you understand what I just said? You better get it. Whoever gets to the kids first gets them. Anybody could have picked me up those three days when I was sitting on a street corner. Could have been a gang member. Could have been a drug dealer. Could have been a pedophile. But the only one, my God, the only one that stopped was the ordinary Christian. See, thank God we're in a church tonight. Thank God. Got a pastor that gets this, understands missions. He's put his money where his mouth is. Yeah. A lot of churches don't, but this one doesn't. Pastor, thank you for what you do. And all of you that are part of this mission, I've got to go back up there over in East Malaysia. Hopefully go back next year. What do you see, Mary? Bleppo. She only sees with her eyes. Peter, what do you see? Theorio. He sees with his mind. He's trying to figure it out. Wait a minute, my time's gone. 
Look at verse 8. I'll be finished. And then the other disciple, John, the young one. The young one. He was a worshiper. Yeah. He comes. He comes to the sepulcher and he saw, oh, same word again. He saw, but see, when Mary looked, it was blepo. She just saw with her eyes. She didn't get it. She didn't get it. Peter looks in. It's theoretical. He's trying to figure it out. But then John comes. He looks in. He sees the same thing that the other two saw. But when he looks in, and when you read this transliteration in the Greek, when he saw, comma, and believed. He saw... And he believed. It was not even a question. He looked in. He said, he's alive. He's alive. He's alive. I never had a doubt. Why is it that some people never really understand what Jesus really did? Why is it that some people, they should get it. They should know it. Mary should have known it. She missed it. Peter walked on water. He should have got it. He's trying to figure it out. But then John looks at him and goes, yep, he's alive. He's alive. I knew he would be alive. We used to sing an old song in the church when I was little. And we used to sing a song in the old church. You ask me how I know he lives. He lives within my heart. And John looks in. He didn't have to see with his eyes. He didn't have to see with his eyes. He saw with his what? Give me the pit. Give me the. When John saw, he saw with his heart. I do. Different Greek word again, isn't it? I do. Silent E in the Greek. He looks in, I know, I know. He saw, he saw with his heart. So, time's gone. Because time's always gone. It's always gone. I understand. So I ask you, what do you see? I showed you some things tonight. Told you some things. Maybe it made sense because I, the pictures I sold, I can guarantee you, all of you saw Rosie, the little girl. You saw it. And if I would ask all of you, what did you see with Rosie? We'd have a lot of different answers, wouldn't we? Because everybody chooses to see things differently. What do you see, Mary? She just saw with her eyes. about you, Peter? He tried. Then John, he goes, I told you, I told you, I told you who he was. I told you. He's alive. So what do we do now? I guess the real existential question for all of you is because you can't answer this question in a group. This is not a collective question. It's an individual question. 
and it can only be answered individually. What do you see? Huh. I was driving back to the hotel after my early morning meeting, and I saw this old man who could barely walk. I'm going to find him before I get out of here tonight. I'm going to find him because somebody, but I saw him come with me to the Philippines, see something that'll break your heart. Come with me, spend time in New York, do the internship, get it, see it, let God break your heart. See something different. So, you think to know the story of Easter? I guess not, huh? I guess not. I tried to take you a little deeper today to get you to see something just a little bit deeper. Because there's still a little boy sitting on a street corner, a little girl abused tonight. Cried herself to death. And I was one day too late to. And I'll look for that. Because when the door opens, when God opens the door to get you see something, what you gonna do, man? What you gonna do? You tell me. She cried herself to death. Said, I just need my mom. What do you see? So, Father, thank you, Lord, for the time. Thank you, Lord, for this church. Thank you, Lord, that a time like this Lord, it's time. We have to ask ourselves some tough questions. What do you see? What do you see? So I'm asking you, Lord, play the song, please. What song? Thank you. Thank you. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. I just want them to play it. Just play the song. Play the song. I sing this song a lot, and I know everybody's got their own way of doing it. No, I do too. I do too. Because that's this whole service. My prayer for this was simple for you guys. What do you see? What do you see? That's the real question that needs to be answered. Open the eyes of our heart. Like John, he saw and he believed. What do you see? To see you, I lifted it up. Oh, shining in the light of your glory. Pour out 
your power and love as we sing holy 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 to see you I am lifted up oh shining in the light of your glory pour out your power and love as we sing sing holy 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 I want to let's sing this song as we close stand shall we do that even as we begin to sing this song please go outside sponsor a child I think it's only 125 ringgit a month am I right 120 ringgit a month is it only 120 ringgit a month that's all for one child so get hold of something sponsor a child for a year or something like that only 120 ringgit a month. They have got about 200 children there left. So my prayer is that as I be held, we take all 200, okay? We take all 200 and sponsor it because there are thousands of children other ch churches have taken. Let's take all the 200 children there is left there. Shall we do that? Amen. So please, cells, groups, individuals, 120 ringgit a month, that's all there is. Let's just do it, shall we do that? And let's apply what we have heard today and internalize it into our hearts. Even as we sing this song to close. Turn your shall we sing this? Hallelujah. Pastor Wilson, we outside to sign his books. So you want to buy his book? Please go outside and get a copy of his book. He will sign it. Amen. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. I want to see you. I want to see you. See you high and lifted up. See you high and lifted up. Amen. Shining in the light of your glory. Sing us a prayer to the Lord. Will you do that? Pour out your power and love. Let's all have eyes like Apostle John who saw and believed. Amen. Who saw and believed. Hallelujah. Shining in the light of your glory. Pour out your power and love. Whoa. Because it is the word of God 
the Rima word that God is speaking to every single one of us, including me. That may God give us eyes that we can see as He sees. Will you do that, church? You want to go clap offering God bless you Please go outside There are many many tables You can buy a t-shirt You can buy some of the trinkets You can buy his books You can please Most importantly Sponsor a child Please help us To sponsor a child God bless you Have a wonderful week <laughs>